I am Kyle Rode, and you are listening to the Sea of Red podcast. This episode is brought to you by Young Seal Coating. Uh, being able to uh, have them, that was really cool. You know, they want to come support us in person more or less than watching us on TV. So I, I just appreciate them for coming out here and uh, uh, letting us go out there and glorify God, you know. I've done this long enough. Every year is different. There's no team that has the same DNA, same leadership, same hunger, desire, passion. It was great 2020. I got the ring. I got the picture. I got it all. I got it. I will have it framed. Top 20 in the nation. That's awesome. But you know what? It's time to run to the roar of 2021. It's here. It's a different week, Malik. It's a different week, Malik. For we can, For we can. do all things through Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. He strengthens us, he strengthens us. Each, and every day. each and every day. And may God, and may God. play with the play! We are back. This is the Sea of Red podcast. My name is Chad Hassan, and I am joined by creator, founder, all things of seaofred.com, and my good friend, John Manson. John, how are we doing this week? Doing good. Another week, another win for the Liberty Flames, five and one. One more win for bowl eligibility. Let's keep this thing moving, right? Yeah. So uh, you hit on a you hit on the main thing. Let's talk football for a minute. Talk about uh, last week, and then again, and then preview the game this week. But uh, as far as the game coming up this week, you you hit on one of the main topics that is bowl eligibility. I try not to say that too much. It's a tongue twister for me for whatever reason. But Hugh Freeze brought it up in his press conference. I kind of had forgotten it. Um, He sets that as the goal for his season every year, although we all know if we were just bowl eligible and uh, didn't get into a little bit better bowl or have a good opponent or finish with either nine or ten wins, we all would be a little bit disappointed. But this week we can clinch that bowl eligibility for the Hughes' third straight season. And, uh, you know, whether or not that is the true his true measure of success or not, it is still a cool accomplishment. A lot to play for this weekend down in Louisiana. Yeah, it really is, and and I'm I'm right here with you. I kind of forgotten about the whole six wins needed to become bowl eligible, which is kind of crazy in our third year as an FBS team, and we got our sights set on things so much higher than just achieving bowl eligibility in six wins. Uh, but that's something the team can accomplish this week, and. And it's really a testament to how far Coach Freeze and, and the rest of the staff and the players, how much work they put in to get the team to this point where, you know, six wins is not the benchmark. You know, I mean, even just a few years ago in the FCS level, we were happy with six wins or maybe satisfied is a better word than happy. But here we are at the FBS level, third straight year, trying to become bowl eligible, which I'd have to go back and look, do some research on that. I'm not sure how many teams have become bowl eligible in their first three years consecutively that they could become bowl eligible. It, it's got to be a few, a short list and teams few and far between. Yeah. So, um, last week, talk to us about the game last week. Uh, did you think it was a good performance at home? Um, did you, uh, what did you think about the crowd? Just summarize your top two or three takeaways from, the game last week and also the ASOR uh, tailgate. Yeah, man, we had the, the tailgate, the first official tailgate of the year that we had, and it, it was a great time. Um, you know, Kyle Rowe, Darius McGee, uh, guys that we have NIL deals with were there and we were able to 
you know, help get them some some funds for coming out and hanging out with uh, fans and taking photos and uh, doing autographs and that sort of thing. And I, I've heard lots of positive remarks from lots of people that have stopped by there, people that may know a sea of red, may not know a sea of red, and that's all fine. And obviously some great barbecue from County Smoke, and it was all uh, provided by uh, Jason Porter, who was our sponsor for the tailgate. We appreciate uh, everybody's contributions, particularly Mr. Porter and uh, County Smoke, and, and obviously Kyle and and uh, Darius. Um, Athletic Director Ian McCall stopped by, Shannon Bream stopped by. We just had a really good time. Uh, hope to do it more frequently. As for the game, I think it's just, you know, as we get in, we're, we're kind of in this midseason lull, if you will, in the schedule where we got four straight opponents where Liberty is going to be a two to three to four touchdown of, uh, favorite each and every week. Um, but I think what you're going to notice here and what, what we're going to find out has already kind of become apparent is just how good the Liberty defense is. I mean, it seems like they're just on the verge of, an, of a shutout just about every week. Uh, they haven't gotten it yet this year. I, maybe this week against ULM, will, it'll happen. But um, they're so good. And and that's just crazy to think where this team was, where this defense was just two and three years ago. Even last year. I mean, even last year, uh, Coach Freeze talked so much about playing complimentary football because we just didn't have the depth and talent on the defense side of the ball to stop some of the better teams we were playing. I haven't heard him talk about complimentary football at all this year. That doesn't mean it's not something that's still in the back of his head. He's sure he's slowing things down at times and not always going supersonic speed. But uh, the play of that defense, especially the defensive line, is just amazing. And uh, I'm really looking forward to see uh, how they do the, these next few weeks and the rest of the season. Uh, obviously, that game against Ole Miss will be a big test for them, but I'm looking forward to see how they match up against them. And, you know, the game, what was it, 41-13, to 13, which is a lopsided score, Liberty – I believe covered, yeah, covered the spread pretty easily. I think it was 19 and a half. Um, but you still come out of the game feeling that Liberty didn't play their best. You know, Malik had three interceptions, uh, which, you know, probably led to to fewer points than than the team could have scored. I felt like we could have gotten up to 45 or 50 points. And it certainly felt like we could have held uh, Middle Tennessee down to, to less than even 13 points. So all in all, it was a good game, good weekend, nice homecoming crowd. You know, had nearly 20,000 there. I'm sure you can jump in on that, too. But, but it was a good weekend and a good win. Yeah, uh, just to recap the game, uh, loved the tailgate, met a lot of really fun people and uh, people that we interact with on social media and then just through the website. A lot of fun. Uh, it was really cool of Ian, Shannon Bream, some of the others to stop by. The thing that stood out to me the most was Darius and Kyle just to be – you know, conference player of the year and Kyle to be so highly rated and such an integral part of such a good team um, that's had a lot of success. And those guys are just gracious and humble with everybody they meet. I, I encountered it several times, um, you know, where they, they kind of were interrupted or um, were doing something and a fan wanted to take a picture and there was just no problem. And it was amazing to see those guys, huge fans, uh, looking forward to watching them play this year. Um, you know, especially, especially, you know, Kyle is our guy and I, I'm pretty, we'll talk about this in a minute, but I'm pretty disappointed he wasn't on the preseason all-conference watch list. I mean, the things he's going to do for the Liberty Flames this year, um, you know, it, I, I we'll talk about it in a second, but the, the tailgate <laughs> was amazing. The crowd was, to be honest with you, John, I, I know you're up there in your, uh, your private little booth with 
the you know covering the game there's a lot to be said for being up there but to be down in the crowd um to see the engagement of the crowd not just the student section but but the whole eastern side and then the west side was more full than i have seen it since syracuse and but not only the number of people the way that people were getting into the game and and uh standing up and cheering and the kickoff wasn't just like you know loud noise coming from the speakers it, it was getting pretty loud from just our fans that was something i really had never experienced in in the section i'm in or even just looking across to the west side to see um so that was fun game went well malik had three turnovers I, you know let's speak on that really quick i loved how he owned those i loved how coach freeze and he had talked through those and just kind of let us in on on what needs to happen and telling the truth about those three interceptions i thought that was exceptional and shows a lot of maturity really on both of their ends where you know freeze took credit for putting malik in one of those positions and then also malik being able to step up and own that and basically say look i i gotta learn and do better and those two were my fault and whatever so i thought that was pretty cool to see and if you're a scout out there in the nfl is definitely what you want to see. You don't want to see guys making excuses. You don't want to see guys kind of blaming others. You want to see them take accountability and say, look, I don't do that that often. And when I do, here's how I can learn from it. And I thought it was amazing to see that. ULM coming up. Uh, look, they have Bowden, Terry Bowden, and who's a, a great defensive mind. Uh, you know, he's had some success in college football. He comes from a lineage where they know how to win games. Um, he saw his dad prepare, uh, you know, one of the best ever, one of my favorite coaches of all time, Bobby Bowden. I loved his, uh, demeanor and his faith and how he brought that into college football long before it was popular on the recruiting trail. Um, but then you also have Rich Rodriguez, one of the most, you know, genius offensive minds. And look, this team, they only allowed Kentucky to run for 131 yards. Kentucky is running for more than that on powerful sec teams right now and i'm not saying ulm's good i'm not saying that we you know we won't easily win that game what i am saying is you know don't get over confident here in these next four games especially it's going to be hard to find that motivation um, unless you're just looking for personal stats or whatever i don't know how it goes but as a fan i'm kind of nervous about ulm i'm not nervous about losing the game per se but it is a road game I'll listen to the Liberty line and kind of go with what Jared thinks. And uh, he typically has it right on, but man, I am thinking 32 and a half is a little too much. Uh, you know, Rich Rod's going to score 17 points. You know, they've been preparing. They circled this game. I'm sure with Hugh and just the, the opportunity it is for their program um, to, to, you know, be at home. Um, and then Terry, you know, the defense that he's, he's got to have some type of schematic that will slow slow the flames down a little bit i mean i don't think 32 and a half is going to happen but anyway i I'm, I'm not super nervous about it i think we win i just uh i didn't like the line and i think there's a lot to this UL, ulm team but i also thought there was a lot to the odu team and they kind of fell flat when they came to lynchburg and lost by 28 so we shall see this saturday what are your initial thoughts about the game this weekend and then just this next you alluded to it a little bit but this next little stretch of finding the motivation and making sure we're all on the same page to get those wins. Yeah, I get your points on on ULM. Um, you know, I mean, if you look at their Kentucky game and then, uh, you know, really the first three games of the year, 
Uh, they got a win against Jackson State, an FCS team. Deion Sanders, the head coach there. Peyton Pickett, former Liberty running backs, their top running back there. Uh, and then they upset a Troy team, which, you know, we all know about Troy, that they're a solid team. And I think they're going to win some games and have won some games in the Sun Belt this year. And and uh, ULM was able to, to beat them. And I went back and watched some of that game already this week and, um, you know, get to get a feel for what had happened in that game. And, and ULM definitely has some talent. They have some ability. I think the biggest problem they're going to face is being able to consistently move the ball against this Liberty defense that we were just talking about, how good they are. I think they're averaging around 14 and a half, 13 and a half points a game. Uh, they've struggled to put up points, scored six against Coastal, only scored 12 against Jackson State in their win in that game. Um, Rich Rod's son, Rhett Rodriguez, was their quarterback. He had kind of a scary uh, injury um, against Troy in that game, came back and finished the game after suffering it. But then after the game, they realized he had a, a punctured lung and a collapsed lung where he ended up being in the ER for a few days and uh, in the hospital for a few days and uh, kind of a scary situation there. But, um, you know, so they got their what's their backup quarterback that's been starting the last two games. I'm not sure they'll, you know, I'd be surprised if they score more than 14 points against Liberty. I, I just, unless they have special teams or defensive scores, I just don't see it happening. Um, you know, the, the key will be on defense for ULM. How, can they slow down this Liberty offense and Malik Willis, um, or is this one going to get out of hand? I mean, they gave up over 50 points to – to Georgia State and Coastal each of the last two weeks. And I think Liberty certainly has the ability to put up that many points too. But if they're able to keep Liberty in check and hold hold the Flames down in the 30s, they can possibly make it a game. Um, you know, but but ultimately I think Liberty is going to be able to, uh, you know, to kind of roll in this one. Well, one last thing for football here before we jump over to hoops really quickly. <clears throat> um, I said before the season that I think the D-line – could win games where they, where, you know, maybe the rest of the team wasn't playing good. That That's how good that defensive line is. And there are moments I haven't seen a, you know, there aren't games where the whole team isn't playing good except for the D line, but there have been moments where that D line is just three or four possessions in a row, just completely dominant, completely suffocating. Um, you know, that they put out the, um, the video on Josh Aldridge this week on some of the football accounts. And he made a quote basically in there to the huddle. He said, this huddle can change the game or this huddle can dominate the game if we choose to, or something like that. And I was like, wow, that, that out of all of the units that Liberty has other than, you know, obviously Malik, but out of all the players and units that the Liberty um, hold the entire team has, that defensive unit can real that defensive line unit specifically can really crank it up and man they get after it and you know you saw the hustle play I think it was Chabuzi who had that really nice rundown almost safety type play um, so yeah a lot of effort there that D line just wanted to comment on how dominating they've been in stretches and it's almost like you know it, it will go three or four possessions where the other team can't even get a play off you know there's they're the, QB scrambling or a stuffed run. And it's just like, man, these guys are just taking over here. Typically it's in the second half and that goes to show the depth and the talent that they have there. All right. So preseason awards came out for basketball. I've already mentioned Kyle road was left off. Uh, Darius was unanimous player of the year, preseason player of the year, Liberty unanimous to finish first in the conference. So let's talk about that first. 
did you think that the awards got it right? And, uh, you know, do we know enough about Kyle and his role in this team? Should he have been preseason? Yeah, it's so easy for us to jump on the ace on and have done it before. And, and that was my initial thought, too. But at the same time, it's hard for them and the media to, to really appropriately assess the talent on Liberty's team based on the style of play. I mean, they just don't have as many possessions, don't put up the same amount of uh, points and numbers that some of these other guys do. So, um, yeah, Darius is an obvious preseason player of the year selection. But you got to think a team that's looking for a fourth straight uh, A-Sun championship, which has never been done in the conference's history, uh, regular season and conference tournament, uh, deserves more than one spot on the all-conference team. And I think Kyle would certainly uh, be uh, worthy of one of those spots. And uh, Blake Preston, too, he's another guy we even kind of forget about, but he almost averaged a double-double last year. And I think we can only expect more out of him. And, you know, but that's one of the things about this this team that uh, Coach McKay has built is they're so balanced and so even. I mean, any given night, this has been the case for years, you know, three, four, or five years in a row now. Uh, for a Liberty basketball team where any given night, any player can, can, you know, lead the way. I mean, obviously you got talented guys like Caleb Holmesley and Scotty James and now Darius McGee, but uh, you know, you've seen Keegan McDowell lead the team in scoring and score over 20 in a game. You've seen, um, you know, Georgie Pacheco Ortiz did it for a little while, you know, Mario Baxter Bell, um, you know, Kyle has done, it. he did it as a freshman, even with Caleb and, and Scotty and some of those other guys on that team. Um, uh, I think you'll see it some with Brody Peebles this year as a freshman. The guy's going to lead us in scoring on some nights. Obviously, Darius will most of the time. Kyle will. Blake will. Um, you know, then you got guys like Shiloh and uh, Joseph Vinzan that are kind of defensive stoppers on the perimeter and the paint. Um, so just a lot of balance from this team. So it, it's hard. Yeah, it's easy to say, oh, they should have had multiple guys on their preseason all-conference team. And I felt like last year at the end of the year, they should have had more than just you know, Puffy making, you know, defensive player of the year and, and Darius uh, offensive, you know, player of the year. They should have had more than that on on first or second team all conference, but but it didn't happen. But that's just, you know, we can just come to expect that, I guess, as Liberty fans under Coach McKay. That's just kind of par for the course and what we're going to expect. But, but uh, you know, th- that's also part of the beauty of his system is, uh, you know, the balance that it has. So... <laughs> I'm not going to make you put your projections out there this early, but I'll go ahead and tell you mine. My goal for this team as a fan uh, is to win a game in the NCAA tournament. I don't know if this team is as top heavy, you know, tournament play. We've talked about this a lot. Tournament play. You have to have two to three guys who can really basically create their own. The pressure gets cut up. Defense is there when you get to those final 32, 64 teams is, really cranked up and those guys really know what they're doing. And, and, uh, I think it takes having that one or two, especially at least one, maybe two guys who can really create their own shot and basically get their own bucket. We had that with Caleb. I think we have that with Darius. Um, you know, I've seen flashes of it and I'm wondering, you know, do we have that, that guy or those guys to make that deep tournament run? Obviously, the expectation is we win the conference, which is crazy to me uh, that we're expected to just blow through the conference tournament, tournament style. Anything can happen. And somebody could get hot, and we've seen we've been on the other end of that before. 
Um, but, you know, I expect this team to go to the tournament. And honestly, a goal I have is is Sweet 16. And, and I know that's kind of wild to say, but I think we do have those guys. I think that Darius and Brody Peebles and even some of the others can create their own and get their own even outside of the offense and kind of lead the charge. I have a goal in my mind. Will I be disappointed if we win one tournament game and don't make the Sweet 16? Uh, I'd say that's kind of borderline. Like, no, I think that's going to be a great season. And, and I, you know, look, guys, I'm not trying to put unrealistic expectations. I'm just trying to kind of set a prediction of what I think the, the, ter- the season will look like. And to me, if we made it to the tournament and lost by 10, 15 again in the first round, I'd be disappointed. I think we should have a better seed than that. We won't play Cade Cunningham, the number one overall draft pick, you know, likely again. I think we, you know, should win a game in the tournament this year, which is which is bonkers for a, a program in the A-Sun to have that type of expectations. I get it. And, you know, look, I'm still going to be a fan of the Flames and still be a huge fan and not going to be super disappointed and negative if we don't do that. I'm just telling you, that's my kind of prediction slash, slash expectation. So. Um, winning a game in the tournament is kind of like our next step. And I, I'm ready to take that. And I think this team is too. What are your kind of general thoughts without getting yourself into too much hot water? Like I just did. <laughs> uh, no, it, it, that's the state of the program right now. I mean, we've gotten to the point where we're expected to make the NCAA tournament expected to win the ACE Sun. Uh, like I said earlier, looking for a fourth straight. Um, which, which is crazy. I mean, if you go back four or five years ago, I mean, this type of conversation is just crazy that we'd even be having it, but here we are. And yeah, for, for this program, the next step is to, yeah, they won one game in 2019, a couple of years ago, and unfortunately got 2020 taken away from them, which I think they definitely had a chance with uh, that senior class to, to make some noise there and win, win another game or, or multiple games. Um, you know, but at the same time, it's all about matchups. You know that as well as I do. When you get into March Madness, it's all about matchups. And and that matchup, like you kind of alluded to against Oklahoma State and Cade Cunningham last year, that was just a tough matchup for us. I mean, we had a really tough time uh, being able to create. And and you mentioned Darius. Like, I, I love Darius McGee. He's one of the best players in the history of Liberty basketball to ever put on that Liberty uniform. Uh, he may be the greatest of all time this year is all said and done. His career is all said and done. Um, but at the same time, you know, Caleb Holmesley is a different type of uh, skill set. You know, he's 6'6", long, lanky, athletic. Uh, you know, he's gotten a cup of coffee in the uh, NBA and and has a chance to, to make a roster there again this year. Um, you know, and he could compete at, you know, with anybody in the country. And I'm not saying Darius can. He's one of the best scorers in the country. But at his size and, and uh, you know, skill set, sometimes it's, it's more difficult for a guy like him to, to be able to create his own shot, to be able to get that space when he's, you know, I mean, he's 5'8", five, 5'9", five, uh, maybe 5'10", you know, with, with some high tops on. But um, when he's going up against a 6'6 guard that's just as quick as he is, and he's got that extra half a foot on him. It's difficult for him to to have enough space to to be able to you know score twenty some points like you saw against Bellarmine and against so many other A Sun teams last year. So can he do it? Sure, but that's still a question of you know when the, the lights are the brightest in the NCAA tournament. Uh, can he and can the rest of this team get it done? You also mentioned um, 
Brody Peebles, that's a lot to put on a true freshman. Can he do it? Yes. Um, does he have the ability to, you know, in another year or two, be the player of the year in the conference? Sure. Um, can he do it as a true freshman? Maybe. We'll see. But, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I think this team certainly has the ability and the potential to, you know, not just win another conference championship, but to make some noise in the NCAA tournament. But it all come down to matchups, and it all comes down to, uh, you know, having a good game. I mean, still, if you go back to that Mississippi State game where we won it a couple of years ago, Caleb still had an unbelievable game, scored 30 points and made some crazy shots. Lavelle Cabell also had an amazing game as a senior. So a lot of things have to go right to to win in a one-and-done type of situation. Yeah, and I would say also, you know, you talk about matchups and style of play. Look at UVA. We're very similar with our style, and they lost to a 16 seed and then turned around and won the NCAA tournament the next year and pretty much had the same roster. I mean, take or, take or leave a few guys here and there that were, you know, impact players, but it was pretty much the same roster, and they – they went from losing to a 16 to winning the tournament. That's how that's how basically hard it is to do that. It doesn't matter, you know, who's on your roster. So um, one thing I will mention about Darius's game is I think he's going to benefit so much this year from having a guy like Peebles and having uh, guys like um, Keegan and Kyle who can, you know, ha- have another year under their belt to get some points and, and Keegan showed an awful lot of his mid range game off last year. And, you know, he's not just a, a set shooter. He, he can really get into the paint and put up some mid range jumpers and, and score the ball. So I think having all three or four of those guys I just mentioned, whereas, whereas Cuffy was more of a spot up shooter and, you know, that's kind of, not that it took away from Darius's game. They complimented each other very well. Obviously, he was player of the year and won the conference tournament. So we're being very uh, picky here. But I'm just saying that having this style that we're going to have this year with a few of the newcomers and and uh, Keegan up in his game a little bit, I think we're going to have uh, – Darius is going to have an even better year. And his stats – because exactly what we were talking about, his style of play benefits having four other guys who can – take that pressure off and open up the floor. And it's not an ISO thing where, Hey, you guys go stand in the corner and watch Darius go. That's not how he's going to get 30, 40 points. He's going to get 30 or 40 points by being a, a supremely efficient three point shooter and a knockdown, uh, you know, shooter. He can shoot, you know, fadeaways and kind of off the dribble off of screens. He's got it all there. Um, we're just kind of, uh, you know, so he needs those other four is what I'm getting at. And I think that he'll have a better four this year than he did last year. And, Last thing I want to talk about with the Hoops team, Elijah Cuffey made a comment last year, John, that you and I talked a lot about. It kind of struck me at the beginning as like, I didn't really know how to take it. But then I went back and watched the full context of it, and I definitely agreed with what he was saying. And um, But just to read it on paper, it kind of stood out to me. But basically, his comment was this, that you know they were losing some really good players, but those those star players, they didn't make the team. The team was made up of a lot of guys, and he also added in that the program was continuing to bring in better talent each and every year, and I think that that is true again this year, and this time it happens to be Cuffey, who was on his way out, who was one of the all-time winningest players, one of the best defensive players I've ever seen, a knockdown shooter, um, just a phenomenal athlete, a great one of my favorites to cheer for, but you know he's on his way out. 
who are they bringing in? They're bringing in Peebles and Vincent and Warfield has another year. B has another year. Uh, if you know, everybody is kind of getting into that. Drake has another year. So it's like they're bringing in better and better talent. So I don't know what went, it just doesn't seem like it's stopping either. It feels like that every year as these superstar seniors graduate, it's like, yeah, we're going to be able to withstand that. You know, yes, we're losing an NBA type player like Caleb Holmesley. Yes, we're losing the all-time winningest player in Cuffey. But look what we're bringing in behind it. It's an amazing trajectory that the program is on. So I think that Darius will have a better season because his game is built for playing with the other four. And I also think that our talent level overall is keeps to rise. And it's kind of fun to see. So uh, looking forward to hoop season. John, any final thoughts on on the basketball team? Anything that you're seeing that's kind of surprising, or is it all kind of, uh, you know, who who are you seeing right now on the roster? Let's dive into the roster for one question. Who are you seeing right now or hearing right now that is having a great summer, maybe most improved, maybe just somebody who wasn't on the radar that is now, somebody that we should watch for early in the season to see their minutes and just see how they've developed over the summer? Yeah, we named a lot of them. I think, you know, Brody Peebles, Joseph and Zan are two true freshmen that are going to have an impact and have a possibility to start from day one. And I'm sure they'll both start at some point during the season. Obviously, you got those three returning starters and, and Darius McGee, Kyle Rode, and, and Blake Preston. One guy we haven't talked about, I don't think, is uh, Shiloh Robinson. I mean, this is a guy who was probably the sixth or seventh man last year, uh, come off the bench and can provide some minutes down in the paint. Um, but he really took a step. If you remember back to that Oklahoma State game, I, I several times thought to myself, man, this dude is about to be a stud on defense and about to take over for Cuffey as, as a defensive stopper. And yeah, you got a guy like Ben Zant who who's going to kind of take that over on the perimeter. But we've never had a guy under, under uh, Coach McKay that, that could really do it against a four or five man uh, down in the paint. And then Shiloh has, a, has the ability to do that. And then, you know, if he can get to where he's – uh, somewhat of a threat on the offensive end of the floor, then he has the potential to be an all-conference type performer as well. I mean, he's got the length, he's got, you know, he's got that size, he's got the defense ability. Obviously, um, one thing he lacked was kind of, you know, his, his offensive ability. Kind of, kind of was a step behind his defense. But if he can, you know, I've heard good things about him getting there and, and shooting a lot of, of three pointers this off season. If he can get to where he's you know, making 30 to 35 percent of his threes and he, you know, can can make a put back if he gets the ball down in the paint. Um, Shiloh's got a chance to to also break into that starting rotation and be another, you know, key guy to count on, you know, that McKay continues to find and, uh, you know, continue to, to put up a lot of minutes, you know, there with Blake and give him a little bit of a of a spell there. And and I'm interested to see what Micaiah B does. You mentioned him. But, you know, he was a guy that had had a really good start to his freshman year and then kind of faded and didn't play much as, as the season went on. But he's obviously got some talent, and it's just a matter of putting it all together and, and learning the defensive system, the pack line, and and uh, figuring it all out. But he, he's obviously got some talent, and the, and the size is there. The offensive ability is there. So there's tons of weapons uh, that McKay has at, at his uh, disposal this year. Yeah, uh John, we got to put a time limit on us talking basketball. F- football, we love, but when we get to basketball, we could just probably go all afternoon here. But uh, I'll kind of wrap it up here. I think that um, having Mayo as a grad assistant coach will be awesome for a B, even if it's not for this year, if it's for next year where he can make a major impact or the year after. You know, he's 
He probably can redshirt still, you know, just having Mayo, they're so similar and having somebody who has kind of been through that. I know Mayo had a great freshman year, kind of put the brakes on his sophomore year, not, not necessarily his production, but his minutes and just, you know, there were some issues with like, you know, foul trouble, I remember, and, and maybe conditioning where he was playing in three and four minute stretches. So having somebody like that, who's been through something like that with coach McKay is going to help a be tremendously. And I think Shiloh's the guy. When I asked the question, that's who I had in mind. Most improved guy to look out for. Maybe somebody who was a role player last year that could step up and kind of dominate this year. I think he can do that. Did you see how he finished the season in the tournaments and then in NCAA tournament as our like leading defender? We had him checking Cunningham whenever Cuffey was not. And uh, he, he played a lot of minutes there at the end and, and was really productive. He also has the ability to be a good shot blocker um, on the perimeter as well as in the paint. I mean, he is all over the place, just a, a specimen of an athlete. Um, you know, if he gets that jump shot figured out, even that, that, that wide open three, if he can, if he can make 30 to 40% of those wide open threes, uh, man, he is going to flourish on, in this offense, but he's already got the defensive prowess. I look for Shiloh to be somebody who could actually be second team all conference this year, maybe first team, depending on, you know, how, how his jump shots looking, but you're hearing that he's much improved, put a lot of work in. And so he's one guy that I'm really looking forward to seeing how he grew and developed over the summer. It's one thing you always forget, not you specifically, but I always forget over the summer is, you know, in college basketball player development is so much different than say the NBA where you just kind of know who you have and you put your roster together and guys are who they are in college. You can go away for a year and come back and be a completely different player. And, and uh, so I'm excited to see Shiloh in that aspect, in that, in that respect. So John, we got a lot to talk about. It's a lot of fun. Basketball season is coming up. Football season is just getting started. We have four games here where we should win. And then we go down to Oxford and uh, looking forward to all that possible Friday night game with Louisiana or Thursday night game on ESPN. They have to flex into one. I'm assuming they would do it on a weeknight instead of us try to compete on a Saturday. We also have the possibility of game day at Ole Miss if uh, we continue to win. So, um, yeah, have Hugh Freeze return to Ole Miss against Lane Kiffin and his the two two top quarterback Heisman candidates on college game day. What a scene that would be. Um, but, yeah, a lot, lot to look forward to here over the next couple of months, and uh, we will be right here talking about it, covering it, tweeting it, and just uh, loving every minute of it. With that, go Flames. This KR22 Hoops Update is sponsored by Young Seal Coating. For optimum pavement protection, check out youngsealcoating.com. This is Kyle Road with your Hoops Update. Uh, Flames Nation, just want to thank you guys for coming out to our first ever See a Red Tailgate last weekend. Uh, rain or shine, you guys were, were there and uh, really appreciate uh, the support you guys showed to See a Red, me, Darius. Um, it was awesome to put some names with some faces uh, that I've seen on Twitter and just at games and things like that. So uh, it was a great turnout for our first one and looking forward to doing more of those in the future. Um, our basketball team's doing great. A little uh, less than a month until we tip off um, at home, November 11th, in our first game. So we're, it's, we're getting more and more excited 
um, ready to play somebody else. We've been doing a, a great job of competing every day against one another. Uh, and it's been it's been a great off season. So just looking forward to keep building day by day this last month um, as we go into games and then continuing to build on what we've what we've done this off season. Thanks for tuning in. This is your Kyle Road Hoops Update. Back for week seven of the Liberty Line as the Flames travel down to Louisiana to take on the Warhawks of Louisiana Monroe. Last week, Liberty completed an impressive 41-13 win at home against Middle Tennessee State, easily covering. The Flames have now won two in a row, and the defense is really finding themselves, allowing just 27 points in the last seven quarters. For Saturday's game, it's a rematch in which Liberty had no problems with the Warhawks last season, winning 40-7, to and I would assume it'll be much of the same this year. UL Monroe is certainly better as they come into the game with a 2-3 and record. First year, head coach Terry Bowden has certainly tried to change the culture. They did beat Troy a couple of weeks ago, a team that Liberty beat earlier in the season as well. But the last two weeks, it's been a little bit more of a struggle with a 59-6 loss to Coastal Carolina and 55-21 lopsided loss to Georgia State last week. The line for Saturday's game is Liberty minus 33.5, although it started at 32, and the total has jumped up, sitting at 57 after starting at 54.5. As you all know, I don't like giving that many points, so I won't change this week with my strategy. I'm going to take the Warhawks plus 33.5. We do like the under 57 now. I feel like the under is certainly a much stronger play. Kickoff is at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. For this week's Liberty Line, I'm Jared Brooks. Do you need any audio editing, mixing, or sound design for your projects? Reach out to our guy, Jonathan Luna. You can find him at his website, lunasound.design. 